Well, um, I've kind of started, it's a lot of stuff, isn't it? I've kind of started the morning with um, some prayer requests, but let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. We're going to spend a little bit of time in confession. So for the first break, when I give you space for that, just you can just confess quietly in your heart, and then we'll move on to prayer requests, okay? So let's pray. God, how grateful we are to be gathered into this place this morning. I'm so thankful for uh, all the folks who have been helping as we uh, just try to make some space, as we try to clean some things out, as we try to uh, put together some events that will uh, allow us to love on kids before they go back to school. We've got stuff going on, and we have folks that are pitching in and being a part of that, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm grateful this morning to come in and see activity in, in every nook and cranny uh, of this building. It, it warms my heart. And I pray that you would continue to um, allow that to happen, that activity. In fact, I, I pray that we would run out of space, quite honestly, in this building. And, and uh, the new building that is on its way to being ready could be utilized. But we're grateful this morning. Um, we're thankful to be in this place to just pause for a moment you know, when you tell us to um, rest on the Sabbath, what better way to rest than to just come and rest in you? As Augustine said, our hearts are made for you and they will not find rest until we rest in you. And so this is what we're called to do. All the busyness of the week, all the things that weigh upon us, all the prayer requests that we have, all the concerns that we have, this is a moment for us to just come and, and kind of breathe that out and release that to you and to just be in your presence and be in the presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we pray that you would renew us this morning. Lord, we know that we have um, failed you in some ways this week. Uh, as we know that we do, as you know that we do, that um, these are things that you are not holding against us, but at the same time you want us to receive the forgiveness that is ours if only we will uh, be humble enough to confess them to you. And so we're going to take a moment just to pause and to confess in our hearts the things that we want to say to you, say that we are sorry, and we thank you for hearing this. God, we're thankful that the Scriptures tell us that while we were yet sinners, You sent Your Son to die for us. And that gesture alone shows us how You feel about us. And so we're thankful that in His holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We receive that. We claim that this morning. And we move on from this point as a fresh start as we head into the new week. Lord, we also want to call out to you these things that are burdening us this morning. We have so many among us that are sick, uh, people that are out traveling on vacation, people that are 
stuck at home and, and we miss them and we love them and we worry about them. And so part of what we want to do so that we can experience you this morning is just to call those things out and give them over to you. So Lord, as we call these names and situations out, we pray that you would hear us and that you would relieve us of that burden. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Mike and Bonnie Kelly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holly Robinson and her family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we give you these and any unspoken requests. We thank you that even as we fail to form words to begin to offer these requests to you, that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf according to the Scriptures. We thank you. We praise you this morning. We give all the glory to you. May we see you and hear you and feel you this morning. And may you strengthen us for the week ahead as we go out to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it is in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John. Uh, this is chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Listen now for a word from the Lord. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. <clears throat> when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? I want you to pause for just a moment as we're reading this story. And I want you to imagine being in the presence of Jesus. You're following behind Jesus and Jesus turns to you and looks at you square in the eyes and says, what is it you are looking for? How would you answer that question if Jesus asks you, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, 
we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. He said to them, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My sermon title this morning is Growing in Grace Evangelism. What is evangelism? What is evangelism? Somebody say it. Spreading the word. Telling the truth about Jesus. Come and see. What... Spreading the good news, right? Okay. Evangelism, I, I'd never put this together before until this week as I was preparing for this sermon. Evangelism comes from two uh, Greek words, eu, E-U, which means good, uh, which you find that in Eucharist, good gifts. Okay. Eu, which we, when we transliterate into English is E-V, but it's E-U in Greek, good, and then Engelos, which means messenger, or more likely translated in English, angel. Okay, so anytime you come across an angel in Scripture, that's a messenger. That is a, a one who comes with a message from God. So you put those two together. You angelos, evangelism, is a messenger of good news. You, you all said it, right? It's one who brings good tidings brings good news, particularly for us as Christians, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people get this confused with another word, proselytize. Do you know what proselytize is? Proselytism? Okay, that's a different word, different definition. To proselytize is to seek to bring about religious conversion. Okay? So you're going in with this agenda to convert someone to whatever religion you are. That's to proselytize. Very, very different than delivering good news, although there is some overlap. One of my favorite definitions of evangelism, I, you know, I've had so much fun with this sermon series because I get to go through my old seminary books. I, I forgot about this book from Brian Stone, Evangelism After Pluralism. Uh, he is a professor at, uh, where is he? 
Boston University School of Theology. And this is his definition. He says, evangelism is the attempt to faithfully embody the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that it can be touched, tasted, and tried on so that it might be taken seriously and then adopted authentically by others or rejected responsibly. So what Brian is saying here is that uh, evangelism is to have the good news of Jesus define your life in such a way that folks want to know more. When they come in contact with you, they are intrigued and they want to know more. And either through contact with with the, the good news being lived out in your life or spending time with you in places like church or small groups, whatever, they begin to taste and see Jesus and try Jesus on for their own. And then at some point, they come to this place where they have to make a decision. Do they adopt Christ as their own personal Savior or do they reject Him fully knowing the claims that He's making and who He is? But it's only after they've tasted and tried Jesus on that they're able to make this authentic decision. They're not rejecting out of ignorance or out of something they heard on the news or whatever was portrayed on Facebook. It's like coming in contact with Jesus through His people and then knowing Yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior too, or no, that's not for me. Obviously, this uh, embodiment of the good news is very, very different than trying to convert someone through cleverly crafted theological arguments, right? If you come in guns blazing, let me, let me just knock down all your defenses against Jesus, and I'm going to force you to convert to Christianity, that's proselytism. I love this quote from St. Francis. I don't know that he actually said it, but everybody says that he said it, and you probably have heard it before. St. Francis supposedly said, preach the good news at all times, and when necessary, use words. Isn't that great? Preach the good news with your life, and if you have to, use words as well. But primarily, it's lived out through your life. Perhaps the best example of this kind of embodied evangelism, this living out of the faith, I think, is found in the story that we just read in the Gospel of John. Now, this is John's version of how the first disciples came to Jesus. It's a little bit different than some of the other stories. In this one, we see that uh, first of all, John the Baptist just makes a proclamation about Jesus. There goes the Lamb of God which piques the interest of two of his disciples. They turn and they begin to follow Jesus, right? And I imagine they're kind of creeping along behind him because they want to know more. They want to know what does this mean that he's the Lamb of God. And Jesus turns around and says, what, what do you want? What are you looking for? Which means literally like, why are you following me? But also means what is it in your life that is missing that you're hoping I can fill for you, right? which is why I had you imagine that. Jesus asking you, what is it you're looking for? And how would you answer that? What hole can Jesus fill in your life? What are you hoping Jesus will do for you? And so these two disciples are invited. Where are you staying? Well, come and see. Come hang out with me for the day. Makes me think of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Remember, let's hang out for today. They hang out with Jesus, and they become convinced that Jesus is the one they have been waiting for. 
He is the one they have been looking for. He is the one that the prophets foretold that Moses spoke about. And so the first thing that they do is they go out and find other people. Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter, and he says, look, I I think we found the one. We found the one. Come check this out with me. Come meet this guy. And so Peter comes along. Jesus has a conversation with him, and before he knows it, Peter has entered into the journey of discipleship, right? I am now a follower of this man. I'm a disciple of this man. Philip also goes out. He finds his friend Nathaniel. He says, look, Nathaniel, I think we found the guy. I I think we found him. He's from Nazareth. Come and see. And of course, Nathaniel comes back with this snarky comment. What good thing can come out of Nazareth? Ain't nothing good come out of Nazareth ever. And so what does Philip do? So smart, so smart, right? Because what did Jesus say to him previously? Where are you staying, Rabbi? Come and see. Philip doesn't say anything, just repeats the words of Jesus, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And so, of course, Philip goes, has a conversation with Jesus, and finds himself also a new disciple of the Master. You'll notice in both of these encounters, neither Andrew nor Philip tried to convince the others that Jesus is Messiah. Did you notice that? No arguments, no theological arguments, no, this is how he fulfills the prophets, none of that. Simply an invitation. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. Everybody say that. Come and see. Come and see. It's that simple. It's that simple. Why is it that simple? Because I think Andrew and Philip realized it was spending time in the presence of Jesus that convinced them. And so to ask others to come and spend time in the presence of Jesus, Jesus is the one who does the convincing. Jesus is the one who wins us over. It's not up to us to win people over for Christ. That's proselytism. That's not evangelism. We're simply called to invite people into the presence of Christ. Come and see for yourself. You see, when you can grasp that, when you can begin to rest in the power of Jesus to lead others into faith, then you know all you need is a simple invitation. If you believe that Christ is present among us here at Grace Church. Present in our worship, present in our small group times, present as we clean out the kids' area and closets that haven't been touched, that somehow Jesus is among us. If you believe that, you too can rest in a simple invitation. Come and see for yourself. Now, this is the last sermon in my six-week sermon series. I have had so much fun preaching this, but I've been laying out this blueprint along the way, right? All these weeks, I've been laying out this blueprint for what I believe can create this environment where Jesus not only is present, but alive and active and moving in a way that can be tasted and tried on. 
And I believe that Christ can and does and will produce fruit through us if we can follow this blueprint. Right? So let's, let's recap these. The first week I told you that we need to make sure that we are giving generously. We need to be a generous people, both with our money, with our time, with our prayers, with our volunteer hours, our service, right? We need to be a generous people. If you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to be generous like Jesus. Secondly, I said we need to receive guests like their family. When a visitor walks in, we need to say, welcome home. You are the very thing we have been missing here at Grace Church. We are so glad you're here today, and we mean it. We're not just saying that because we're, this is a, a, a shtick that we've got. This is real. We are really, really glad to see you. Receive guests like family. Third, I say we need to attend worship every single week. Church is not optional. It is in this place that we are gathered together. This is our check-in point. This is our refueling station for the week. You can't, you can't drive very far if you don't stop at the gas station. This is the gas station, folks. And we believe that sacramentally, somehow, God is more present when His people are gathered together. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. God is everywhere, but God is especially present where His people are gathered. Okay? Attending church is not optional. Fourth, we said connecting with others outside of worship so that we can build authentic relationships. It's good if you're coming to the fueling station and you're getting what you need for the week, but you need to check in with your brothers and sisters midweek. You need to find out what's going on in their lives. You need to be able to say what's going on in your life. Connection. Find a small group. Whatever that wants to be. We have a ton of small groups. Find a small group and get in it and get involved. Get to know people beyond just the Sunday morning worship hour. And now today, the final piece of the puzzle, which is to extend an invitation to someone outside of our church family every single week. To invite them to come and see how Jesus is present in this place in a special way. Resting, knowing that if they take us up on that offer, if they walk in, Jesus is going to do the rest. That Jesus will meet them here or in our small groups, wherever we invite them. And they will begin to taste and see something is different about this place. In other words, if we embody the good news here at Grace and we invite others to come and see, I believe that we will see new disciples made, we will see old disciples restored to to, uh, thriving in their relationship with Jesus, and we will see our community grow and thrive. So those are the five things, right? That's the blueprint that I I felt God has laid on my heart that I was supposed to deliver to you over these these last several weeks. But some of you are hearing this right now going, that's just, I don't don't know how to do that. I don't know how to invite people to church or a small group without, without being weird. How do we do that? That makes me uncomfortable. And sometimes the idea of proselytizing comes in there, that, that somehow 
uh, maybe I've got to try to convince them or convert them. I'm just talking about a simple invitation. It doesn't have to be convoluted. It doesn't have to be hard. All right? So we're going to show you. Calvin, come on up. We're going to do a little role playing here. Okay? So you could be anywhere. You could be at the grocery store. Uh, you could be at the gas station. You could be at your favorite restaurant and uh, a waiter or waitress is, is helping you out. And you find yourself in a conversation with somebody. Just We all have conversations with people. A and in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit tells you, this is someone you need to invite. Th this is someone you need to say, come and see for yourself. Okay? So Calvin and I, we're at Pint and Barrel. Okay? We're at Pint and Barrel. And uh, Calvin's there, and I and I walk in, and I and I'm looking at the, looking at the the spread there. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm trying to decide what kind of, what kind of beer should I get? What are, What are you drinking tonight? Oh, man, that raspberry beer is good. The raspberry. Oh, yeah. You suggest that? I suggest. Should I try it? Yeah, I think so. All right, good. I'm kind of new to town. I've been here for about a year. My family and I moved up from. Uh, Lake Livingston. So we're still still trying to get acclimated. Have you lived here your whole life? Uh, whole life. Your whole life. Whole lifer, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I noticed you're you're wearing a pretty neat cross around your neck. Oh, thank you. Is that special to you? Is that well, the cross is special to me? Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Uh, do you have a home church? Are you active in a church? Well, I kind of nah, my church and I kind of went different ways. Oh, so okay. Maybe, Oh, well, I'll tell you what, man, um, no pressure, but I, I go to this church called Grace Church. We're up at the Old Country Club. Yeah, you know where it is? We got the golf course and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But I'll tell you what, this church is special. It's, it's different. Um, God shows up every week and does something special. I, I'd love it if you wanted to come out and check us out sometime. No pressure, but... Okay. Well, I got this card. This has got, if you just want more information, there's our website and you can see times and stuff. And, you know, we get together about 10 o'clock and have some kolaches and donuts and coffee. And it's just a good time. But I hope to see you there, man. Give you a try. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Good to meet you. All right. That's it. Very simple, right? Very simple. Uh, this week, I have invited, and this is just, I'm not tooting my own horn. This is just like, conversations that I've had that went into this place, and I felt like this is, this is one of those moments. Uh, we've invited a, a postal worker to church, Lena. Who else? There was like three people this week. Was it the plumber? We invited the plumber. Okay, who else? I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Uh, yes, Dwayne, for sure. Dwayne's been hanging out with us at Breakfast Club. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, you just find yourself in a normal conversation, and, and they will usually, you'll know it's time if they bring up something about church or faith or I'm, I've been praying for rain I mean, it's, you know, I've been praying for, man, me too. I'll tell you what, come over to Grace Church. We're all praying for rain, right? It doesn't have to be hard. Now, look in, your, in the pocket of the, the seat in front of you. You see these? Put a handful of those in your pocket, 
right? This has all the information they need. It, it's got the website on there. It's got the address. If they want to know our start times, whatever, the things that are available during the week, if they want to know the small groups, they can get it all right there. And by having a card, they may forget about the conversation. They may forget all about it. But the next day, they pull that card out and they go, oh, right? This is when we start leaning on the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. Our job is to just invite. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. I'm telling you, God shows up every week. Come and see for yourself. This is our fifth strategic value. Jason, how many people we got in this room this morning? We have 61. Good. We have 61 people in this room this morning. If 61 people invited 61 people this week, I promise you next week, one or two or three or four or five of those 61 people that you invited will show up. It's just, it's just going to happen, right? Because God is working on people. We don't know where they are in their faith journey or whether they have a faith at all. We don't know that. We just, we just sense that it, this, is, this is a person we need to invite. And we extend that, and God does the rest. And then, if they show up, guess what? We are a generous people. Man, and they can tell. We receive them like we're at Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family, right? Here's some free breadsticks. Um, we're here. Do you see why it's important to attend church every week? If you invite somebody and they show up and you're not here, right? You see, how I've laid this all out for you. It's important to be here if you're going to invite some people. We're connected, and you can tell we're connected beyond just Sunday morning. I know what's going on in Jason's life because I'm in a small group with him and, and the relationship that we have built. I'm talking hypothetically here, right? You guys are connected beyond, and, and, and that people can tell when they come in. This is not just a bunch of people that are coming here to check off the box that I, I came to worship God, so I'm like free the rest of the week. These are people that genuinely care about each other, and maybe... Maybe there's some hope that I can belong to something like this too. And maybe it's not here. Maybe it's not here. My hope is that you would, you would find a family here. But maybe you decide that another church is better for you, but it was your invitation that kind of opened the door for Jesus to begin to do that work. Okay? So now... If you've forgotten these five strategic values, all you have to do is look at our logo. Legend, pull up our logo. Where's Legend? Legend, logo. Thanks, bro. Please. There it is. Okay, look at this. Look at this. If you forget what the strategic value values are, look at our logo. We start with we start with the tree. We start with the tree. Now this represents the idea that we're looking for the Zacchaeuses in our community. Who is Zacchaeus? What does Zacchaeus stand for? Zacchaeus stands for the person that just doesn't feel quite comfortable at church. 
doesn't maybe maybe has been hurt by the church maybe just that's just not the place that I want to be but yet desperately wants to glimpse Jesus and climbs up into a, a, a tree climbs up into a safe place on the margins I want to get a glimpse of Jesus but I'm not I'm not welcome down in that crowd those are the people that we're looking for people who are hungry for a relationship in Jesus but they they're just not quite sure about the church there's a reason that they're not in church this morning. 13,000 plus people this morning at home in Palestine. There's something, there's some disconnect. They don't trust the church. Those are the Zacchaeuses. Now, look, Brandy pointed this out. Do you see the guy? Here's his head, arms, legs. There's the Zacchaeus, okay? First strategic value, we give generously. Generosity is the first strategic value. We receive guests like family, reception. We attend church every single week, attendance. We connect with each other beyond the Sunday morning worship hour, connection. We extend an invite to somebody every single week, evangelism. Those things combined together, new disciples, refreshed disciples, welcome home. Okay? It's right there. It's right there. When we begin to take new members in at this church, I'm going to ask them if they will uphold this, if they will grow in grace, that we're all committed to it, and will they commit it to it as well, that these are our strategic values. This is how we, uh, we are a healthy church in Palestine for those Zacchaeuses looking. And I'm going to ask you folks, are you growing in grace? When I ask you that question, what I mean by that is, are you following Jesus in grace? Are you growing in your own faith? But it also means, are you practicing these five strategic values? Are you helping us to grow at grace? And I should be able to ask you one of five questions. If I run into you at the grocery store and I ask you one of these five questions, you should automatically know the answer. I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but you should know the answer to these questions. Here's one question that I could ask. Nobody's going to like this, okay? But here's a question I could ask. What percent of your income do you give? Whether it's 1% or 20%, you should know the, the answer to that question. What ways have you been generous this week? How have you pitched in at church? You should know the answer to that question. Here's another question I could ask. We had visitors, we have visitors every single week. We had visitors this past week. Did you say hello to them? Did you shake their hand? Did you welcome them? Did you tell them you were glad they were here? You should know the answer to that question. Number three, how many times did you attend worship last month? This is not a guilt trip. I'm just telling you, you should know the answers to these questions. If you, if you really want to think about growing in grace, you should say, well, pastor, I, I was there three of the four times this week. And, and here's why. Again, I may not, I'm not going to ask these questions. I'm not going to pin you, you know, in the produce section at Kroger and make you answer these. But you should always have the answers to these questions at the forefront of your mind. Number four, what small group do you belong to? What small group have you aligned yourself with? If none of them work for you, what small group have you started that does work for you? Number five, 
and this may be the most important, who did you invite to church or small group last week? I may ask you that one. Who did you invite to church this week? God's going to give you the opportunities. Man, just live your life. Just do the things you're normally doing, and you'll know when it's someone that you need to invite. Who did you invite to church this week? I think if we really dig into this, if we really practice this, if we buy into this idea that God is not done with us, but there are some things that we have to do to cultivate, to make this place a fertile ground for people to see Jesus and to begin to hope that maybe they too could belong to some place, to someone I think we'll see the effects in six months. I think six months from now, we'll know if we're living into grace or not. We'll look around. Six months from now, we'll look around at this place and we'll go, wow, I see a lot of people that weren't here six months ago. 13,500 people in Palestine. The field is ripe for harvest, y'all. Pray to the Lord to send out workers into the field. It's not for lack of potential disciples. It's that we need to do the work. Y'all told me at the beginning of this sermon series, you didn't think God was done with us yet. If that's true, my prayer for you and for me, for all of us, is that we will really lean into this and that we will be the hands and feet of Jesus in Palestine and beyond. Let's pray. God, thank You for the Scriptures. Thank You for the examples that we read about. I particularly thank You for this story that we read in, in the Gospel of John this morning about how Your first disciples came to You simply by invitation, simply by hanging out with You they became convinced. And then they wanted to tell other people. Like someone who's found the best restaurant and you just can't help but go out and say, man, you got to try this restaurant. I pray that we would feel that way about you and about Grace Church and about our family here. That we would just get excited. And when we sense that it's somebody who might actually want to be a part of this, and we just it just comes out of us. Man, come check us out. Come see if Jesus is present here, because I believe He is. I pray that we would lean into that, Lord. We thank You for this opportunity. We thank You for a field ripe for harvest. May we be Your hands and feet. Amen. Will you all grab the hand of the person next to you? This is the family that God has called you to for this season of life. And what a blessing it is to be with you all. Will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do that, you're going to make some mistakes this week because we all do. When you make those mistakes, it doesn't change how God feels about you because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in His very nature. God is love. So that by His grace, when He looks at us, He says, you are nothing but the best of the best of the best.
Can you imagine what tomorrow would be like if you left here believing that? I think it would kickstart a great week. So in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go in peace.